I'm Tanya Estes, and welcome to Tales from the Moon Tower, a podcast that brings you stories about Texas history that you never got in school, including unsung heroes, amazing ladies, myths, legends, true crime, and tales that still haunt us. Today, I interview Jennifer Gonzalez, a history teacher and native of Three Rivers, Texas, a town relevant to today's topic. We discuss Latino civil rights activist Dr. Hector P. Garcia and his first major civil rights battle to obtain a dignified service and burial for fallen World War II soldier Felix Longoria. We talk about the history and relevance of this fight and the controversy this continues to cause in this small South Texas town. I will post all relevant links discussed in this episode in the show notes. If you like Tales from the Moon Tower and want more information about this or previous episodes, you can follow us at www.talesfromthemoontower.com or you can follow Tales from the Moon Tower on Facebook or Instagram. And now, on to the show. All right. Well, Jennifer Gonzalez, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, yes. So um, for those of you who don't know, Jennifer Gonzalez is an old friend of mine. We used to teach together or work together. She was the awesome teacher. Um, I was just the person in charge of the federal funds at that school. And she and I had the opportunity to work on a program for Hector P. Garcia. It was a posthumous program for him, but his wife was in attendance, as was several members of his family. Um, So that was a real honor for both of us. But I really wanted Jennifer on here because Jennifer is not only a really great historian, she and I always send messages back and forth when we find really cool history articles, documentaries, things like that. But, you know, Jennifer also grew up in Three Rivers, so she definitely has some inside perspective on this story. So what I want to do is give you some background on who Dr. Hector P. Garcia is. He was born in Mexico, but grew up in South Texas, Mercedes, Texas, um, to be exact, because his family wanted to escape the Mexican. Mexican Revolution. That is the story of my great grandparents as well. And he ultimately went to the University of Texas, got a degree in zoology, and went on to medical school, graduated in the top five of his class. And on a level of, you know, Mexican American history, that was a really big accomplishment. But what we're going to look at is, you know, after he serves in World War II, Hector B. Garcia is not only famous for being a Hispanic doctor in a time where that wasn't a thing um, that was as prevalent as it is now, but he was a major civil rights activist and he got his start doing civil rights activism for Mexico. American veterans because, uh, you know, they did not have the same access to medical care that other veterans had. And one of the big things that started was the story of Felix Longoria that started his activism. So he founded the American GI Forum, which is an activist group that focuses on uh, Mexican-American issues, Latino issues, but it started with an emphasis on veterans' rights, but it does branch out into voter voter issues and access to registration, and, um, education, desegregation, lots of other things that have been important to the evolution of Latino civil rights. But the biggest thing that launched it was this Felix Longoria case, which Felix Longoria actually has no idea of the part he played in this story because he was a veteran who died in the in World War II. 
His body was not returned for a few years after, but he was from Three Rivers. His wife wanted access to the funeral home there. Mr. Kennedy, the owner of the funeral home, denied that access. You know, Jennifer, in this research, what I found was that Longoria's father in the 1920s had actually purchased the adjacent land for the exclusive use of Mexican-American families because they were not allowed to be, um, they did not have access, as was the case in every city um, in South Texas, and I'm sure in several other cities everywhere, but they didn't have access to the to the cemetery. So he bought the adjacent land, but they still weren't granted access to, to the funeral home. So Dr. Hector B. Garcia, you know, really launched an investigation. His effort was denied. So he said, I'm going to go ahead and reach out to LBJ. <laughs> and LBJ got uh, Felix Longoria buried in Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., along with 18 other veterans who had been denied access to funeral homes. And so I want you to talk to me about what it was like to grow up in the shadow of this groundbreaking case that had federal interaction and everything. The interesting thing is I didn't know I was living in a shadow. And you grew up this whole time. As I had spoken to you earlier, uh, his family lived a street behind me. I, I grew up with my grandmother and my father down in the barrio, and mm-hmm. his family lived behind me. I mean, we were, I would say, in that community, very tight-knit. You know, you, everybody yeah. kind of knew everybody. They had history, background. But even with all of that, no mention of this case, you know, of Longoria. Groundbreaking case, yeah. 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 The, you know, nothing go through high school, go through Texas history, nonetheless. Oh, well, of course, we never heard about this in Texas history. And, you know, Jennifer, I'm going to say with you, I didn't hear anything about this until college also. And that is in large part because there started being like statues erected. And, you know, it just as as he got older and died in the 90s is when people really started celebrating Dr. Garcia. So Dr. Garcia... Uh, we had no mention of him throughout our history courses, not one mentioned. I, I didn't hear his name until I had kind of come across Felix Longoria's name. Um, yeah. So imagine living in Three Rivers, which is maybe 50 miles from Corpus Christi, and having mm-hmm. no real idea of any of this going on, right? As a part, not going on, but as a part of your history that can help explain what's going on where you yeah. live. So high school, no mention of it. I move away to college and I was a history major, but I was, I just never was interested in American history. Oh, same. I did the whole European history thing. (laughs) Me too. Oh, Black Plague, Medieval Knights, you know, the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I I just became interested in that. And, And for me, that was kind of the beginning of me pulling a thread throughout history that I had never learned that I was curious about. And then that thread ended up leading me more to American history as well as um, Texas history and largely race relations and issues surrounding that. So I believe I just moved back from New York and I picked up a book. I don't even remember why I picked it up, but I think maybe it was the title and it was um, Making of a Chicano Militant. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would have picked it up for that title, too. Yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, he's got his fist in the air on the cover, it's looking aggressive, and it's like red, and I picked this Very book up. Very Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I read this book, and I came across Three Rivers, and I remember that hit me. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, what? 
what back up what is this right um, that's your hometown you're reading about by accident by accident no clue and then I just kind of became a little more interested a little more inspired and then when I met you in Corpus Christi I had picked up the book uh Felix Longoria's Wake which is by Patrick Carroll who I believe was at Corpus Christi A&M at the time mm-hmm. um, and I exchanged a couple emails with him just like I had no idea blah, blah blah this is my hometown and I appreciate the book and so yeah that that's where I learned a lot more about it so my experience was was nothing I had no idea until mm-hmm. I was in my mm-hmm. 20s well, now you've you've really you, done a lot of reading and research on this. So now that you can backtrack and think about, okay, well, you grew up in the shadow of this without even knowing that you were in the shadow of this. Now you come back, you're an informed adult who's looked at perspectives that were written outside of your hometown. Mm-hmm. So how do you come back as a native Three Rivers person? I mean, you still have family there. You still go back there all the time. What's that journey like? Uh, it explains a lot. So my, my role on it as an informed adult coming back and, um, having talked to Santiago Hernandez, who was at the time that I met him when I was at Corpus Christi, I think it was 2006. He was trying to get the post office named after Longoria. For me, it opened up a lot of doors of understanding that, you know, everything that I experienced could be explained because of my last name. Mm -hmm. I experienced racism. Oh, sure. Sure. Experience racism. So, but you, you never, you never kind of knew, is this real? Like, is this, is this what it is? And Mm -hmm. I I was very aware of a lot of things that people around me did, maybe particularly some of my white friends, Um, some, some people who are in this documentary um, that was on PBS about the Longoria affair, seeing them on there and hearing their side. Wow. Makes me feel like, it just puts all these interactions that you have throughout your whole life into some form of like focus of that is what was going on. And it is, in my opinion, in my experience, it is a racist place that wants to deny racism. I think that is very pervasive in South Texas, especially where the population is 50% or more, depending on where you live, Hispanic. I mean, in some communities, it's even more. I don't know what the demographics are rather in Three Rivers, but I imagine it's even higher than in Corpus. But that is definitely a pervasive issue. I want to back up. You were talking about, well, I I want you to tell me about the documentary, but I want to talk about the post office because that goes back to what you're saying in that it's continues to be a racist environment without wanting to acknowledge that it is still a racist environment because you met him you met Santiago Hernandez at about the time he was trying to get the post office named after Longoria well who would have thought that in 2004 it would be a controversial decision but it's bananas what I found has happened in the wake of that And I'm sure you know all of this, but for those of you who don't know, not only did the post office not get named for Longoria, it revived former tensions. And they so the next move was to try to get a historical marker at the funeral home explaining its relevance to Texas history. So local local historical organizations said, no, we're not doing that. But Texas said, yep, we're going to do it. And they put a historical marker there. Well, that historical marker is gone. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Ah, it, was, it was kind of a big deal. I remember in, in going back to, um, you know, not only do I feel like 
the whites who I would say are kind of, you know, let's be honest, the ruling class there, they kind of dictate how things go. And Mexicans are just, you know, largely subjective sometimes, maybe even, you know, hating our own kind just to maybe get in favor. That's always been my perspective. Even before this, you know, my grandmother would say, I just don't, we don't want to talk about it. Like, you know, she would get kind of riled up if I would bring it up. And I think when, I, I think that it, in some ways, when something like that happened, when this marker gets knocked down and well, nobody wants to explain why it got knocked down and so on and so forth. I, I do think that there's probably hurt there, you know, for the, the, the Latino community, the Mexican American community, it tells you exactly what they still feel about that situation. Because much like what we see happening with Emmett Till's marker. I thought the exact same thing. That is exactly what I thought about when I read that not only was it knocked down, or it was damaged first, and then right. it was ultimately knocked down and it will not be replaced. Um, and right. I just think, wow, it's so, you know, history and the reality of history frightens those so much that know that they're on the wrong end of things that a historical marker talking about it is destroyed or, you know, that's just an amazing thing to me that that, so, you know, this happened in the forties, but it's still a problem in three rivers. Right. I just yeah. find that amazing. It's, I, I feel like that was just kind of this, another uproar, big deal that just kind of also just went away and nobody's challenged it um, that I know of locally. I think Hernandez still mentions it when he drives through, he drives by there, but, uh, you know, it's gone, destroyed with no explanation or real count of the incident and no real like eagerness to, to solve that problem. Or right. That, that issue. Yeah. From what, let me see, so I'm looking in my notes here and I want to say that somebody bought the land where the home was and they've just paved over it and made a parking lot. And so, they just said, well, no, it's not going to be. I mean, yeah. you could just put the marker by the lot if you needed to do that, but they're not going to do that. No. Jennifer, no. I have a fun fact for you, and I'm sure you already know it, but I think our listeners will enjoy it. And so um, when Jennifer and I used to work together, she used to sometimes come over and we'd watch old movies. And one of those old movies um, is relevant to this story, actually, and I'm, you probably already know. But in 1950, Pulitzer Prize winner Edna Ferber interviewed uh, Hector P. Garcia to get a sense of the Mexican-American experience in Texas. Mm-hmm. And she later wrote a novel in 1952. Jennifer, would you like to guess what it is? Yes. Uh, oh, do you want me to guess? Do okay. you know what it is? It's giant. Yes, it is giant. Um, and she, you brought that movie over once, and we watched Giant together, and that was long and very, very good. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is longer than I thought it would be. Um, but it was a uh, one of James Dean's fewer, you know, few films, and Elizabeth Taylor, and all their sassy, dramatic goodness. And that story um, is partially informed by an interview with with Dr. Garcia. So I thought that was a fun fact. Another fun fact, guys, just to kind of give you another level of significance to the life of Hector B. Garcia, who really fought for the dignity of Mexican-Americans and and Felix Longoria. When he died, Bill Clinton gave a eulogy for him. So tell us a little bit about your conversation with with Hernandez. Um, Well, I remember we he was also he's also in a mariachi band. We just sat down and, and he he told me what his his driver in doing this. And it's very similar to what I explained to you of why I am interested in history and things that we weren't taught in school that we don't 
you know, know or understand that help explain a part of our existence. And I, I feel like he had a very genuine motive in what he was doing. I didn't think he was an outside agitator. I think he was trying to, to put a stamp on something that was very pivotal and was very important to our community, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just in Three Rivers or South Texas, but just at large. Yeah. Uh, so our conversation was mainly focused around, you know, hey, I'm from Three Rivers, and we talked about just same things you and I are talking about, actually, what hmm. my experience was like growing up, the sentiment of people, the lack of acknowledging that racism is is there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was pretty much our conversation. I met him at a little Mexican restaurant in Corpus. I couldn't tell you the name. I think it was in between. Uh, yeah. His break. He sat down and talked to me in, in full, you know. Mariachi. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, yeah. you know, I'm sorry that he didn't, that he wasn't able to make that happen. Um, something similar was kind of happening with me not long after you and I first started talking when I left the school we were working at because I had a library opportunity to start a public library branch, which was going to be named after Dr. Hector P. Garcia's sister, Clotilde P. Garcia. For those of you who don't know, and she probably deserves her own show, she, Dr. Hector B. Garcia had like a number of siblings that became doctors and civil rights activists. And Clotilde P. Garcia was one of them. And her focus was on providing safe, health care for poor women, poor Latina women that didn't have otherwise have access to health care, particularly with childbirth. Um, you know, my mom was barely 18 when I was born. And so she delivered me. And so it was a big deal that I was going to be the first librarian in her in the library named after her. But in leading up to it, there was a lot of people that were like threatening to pull their donations for that library if it was going to be named after her because of for racist reasons. And they were not shy about it. Um, So and I just remember thinking at the time it was 2009 and I was just floored that the that the weird racist bitterness like was so pervasive that they were going to pull library funding if it had her name attached. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that just wild though? That <laughs> just naming a building yeah. and it, and it is a marker and it is recognition. Um, and it's, and it's a way of saying that you have a space and a, and a place in history, but that people will get so enraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in that case, we got it, you know, in that case, the library is still named after her, but I'm sorry that, that the post office in three rivers didn't, maybe it'll be something else. Hey, who, who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's a project for you. <laughs> so, like, well, yeah, what would yeah. be interesting too, is if, you know, say I led something like that, I wouldn't be an outside agitator because I grew up there. That's true. <laughs> you know, like, that's I grew up true. around you people. Like, I know, <laughs> I know the score here. Okay. And, and, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about my grandmothers, my, my take is that oftentimes um, in our community, we adopt the narrative of, I'm just going to say the narrative of our oppressor. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, I think that's, that's history. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's history everywhere. Yeah. Because my grandmother would try to give justification. Well, you know, the, the, the family argued, you know, like, ah, just, just drop it. And she would come up with these reasons that weren't real reasons for not allowing someone who gave their life in war to give them the proper, not, not just even if they served, but just regardless, but specifically yeah. in this case to where, you know, a lot of times it was, they don't want to stir up trouble. We get you stir up yeah. trouble, then it rocks the boat. And then that just means trouble for 
for our community, you know, and, and there is a real fear behind that. And you have to question where that fear comes from and what are you afraid of? And that to me, I've never understood. I, I've always pushed, especially with my grandmother. She gets kind of, I've annoyed her quite a bit with some things, <laughs> but, you know, no. yeah. Yeah. that doesn't sound like you at all. No. <laughs> I do want to thank you for taking your time, though, to join us for the podcast today. I think it is important to have an insider perspective as well as a historian perspective. And that was something that you could uniquely provide to the podcast. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad you had me. I'm glad you you sent me a message about this. I'm kind of like, I need some mental stimulation right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's on break, you guys. It's Corona break. So, (laughs) Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you for having me. It It was a good time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tales from the Moon Tower. If you like this episode, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Each review helps people find the show. You can also connect with Tales from the Moon Tower on Instagram and Facebook, and you can visit the website at www.talesfromthemoontower.com to find out more about the show. The link to our Redbubble shop is there too if you want to help support the podcast with fun merch like shirts and stickers. Music for the show is provided by Kevin McLeod with Creative Commons Attributions. That's our show, and thank you for listening.